So now we're back on. No boxing today. What's up? Happy Thursday. Yeah, what's up? Happy Thursday. Yeah, that's that's what should be said. Thursday is our weekend. Not Friday, but Thursday. We're going into the football weekend. This is the NFL and college. So we talked a little boxing yesterday. If you watched the show, if you scored along with us, there were some surprises even after all these years. <laughs> but today? Not, not so much in the outcome, but how we came to that conclusion. Scoring, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I've just take I took it for granted that, you know, he won. We know he won, and I knew that there were people saying that Hagler won. And I, I couldn't see it all these years, but when you're scoring it, we get to a certain point after eight rounds, and it's tied up. We're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Something, something's got to turn and yeah, go to autopilot. But anyway, we're here now. A lot of and, football to get to. Yeah, it's football, a whole lot of football this weekend, man. God, and this is the 60th episode of all time with the Sports Bag Bros podcast. But, yeah, today is Thursday. It starts football, even college football. Uh, Thursday night football tonight, San Francisco taking on the Giants. And then there's a huge week of college football. And, of course, with us being here on Thursday, we can talk about it. We don't know what may happen between even just Friday. Something might happen in practice, like what happened today in Dallas with Trayvon Diggs, ACL in practice, out for the season, one of the premier players on defense in all the NFL, and it goes down like that. So, yeah, Dallas has to make some changes of their own. But before we even get to that, we have college football, a big week in college football, as I just said. And I think the biggest game of them all, even though there are so many other games that, that are at least high profile, Notre Dame and Ohio State, I think that kind of leads the way. It's, it's a primetime game. It's at Notre Dame. Notre Dame still getting credit when they may or may not deserve it. Well, they'll, they'll certainly earn it or not Saturday, right? If if they win and, you know, they, they put up points. The Ohio State's defense got a challenge in front of it. Um, and if they beat Ohio State, well, they stake a claim as one of the top teams in the nation. Yeah, absolutely. I think this Ohio State team is – they're still transitioning to the new quarterback. They still have great coaching. They still have the defense. We already know what's going on defensively. And, um, you know, Tommy uh, Eichenberg, the linebacker leading the team in tackles. He has 14 solo tackles, 20 total tackles. He's a tackling machine. And by the way, even though the offense is still trying to find its sea legs, the defense has been holding it down and on against the run, especially. So who have they been play, playing though? Yeah, I know. And I know who they've been playing. Indiana's there. Of course, it's still a conference game. We talked about Youngstown that. Youngstown State. You know, Youngstown State. But you also know that little interstate rivalry, even though a smaller team, they're always a little yappy and pain in the butt for Ohio State. It's like a little chihuahua. Ohio State's gonna beat them, but they might you know, Youngstown State may get their little pound of flesh on the ankle from time to time. Yeah, they blew them out. But just looking at what the defense has done, they haven't given up a hundred yard game yet, let alone a rusher. So there hasn't been a team that's gone over hundred yards. Uh, I think what ninety nine yards was the most they have given up so far this season. But they will be challenged against Notre Dame at Notre Dame. And yeah, so I mean, if, if they do that to Notre Dame, well then. Then we can sing, sing the defense's praises, right? Yeah. But they have to prove it on Saturday. And I, I'm not saying they're frauds or, or fraudulent. I'm just saying they haven't been tested yet. But, but as Saturday, they will be tested. You know what? I think right now the reason why I'm giving them a little more credit probably than some would give them is because Ohio State's been known for this defense. And Ohio State has always had this defense. In recent memory, if nothing else has clicked for Ohio State, it's been the defense. When the offense struggled, you know, the defense has been there. You know, last year when uh, C.J. Stroud was struggling at, at Northwestern with that ridiculous win, the defense was there. You know, so the defense has been the one constant with Ohio State. So going into a game of this caliber, this whole high-profile game, a lot on the line this early in the season, but it's almost starting to matter as we go into October. I think, you know, whatever they do against Notre Dame, being able to stop the run, it's going to show whether they are serious or not because Notre Dame has their own big running game. They have so much going on with that team. Sam Hartman, as we already know, he leads the nation with 13 touchdowns. In fact, he's just one touchdown ahead of Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy uh, winner from um, USC. 
So Sam Hartman is doing exactly what I expected him to do with even more talent than he's ever had at Wake Forest. He's had success at Wake Forest. He's an elder statesman in college. Now the transfer portal, and for him, the grad portal brings him to Notre Dame where he has even more weapons and a running back. Audrey Estimate, one of the best. I think he is the number one rusher in all of college football this year. But more importantly with him, his explosiveness, you can look at the teams they played too, but mm -hmm. this explosiveness That's doesn't right. come against even bad teams. He's averaging over eight yards a carry. You're talking about Chuck Weatherspoon averaging about almost 10 yards a carry. We're talking Greg Pruitt, Pruitt from back in the day with Oklahoma yeah. averaging over nine yards a carry. He's on that level going into his fifth game of the season. Yeah, it should be a very interesting game. You know, Notre Dame, they look like their offense is very high-powered. You know, you can say their offense hasn't been tested yet. Same goes for Ohio State's defense. And Ohio State's offense, they're still trying to work things out. Mm -hmm. But if they can't cover uh, number 18, um, it's going to be a high-scoring game. You know what? And even just number 18, you're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. averaging over 20, 21 yards of reception, 21.7 to be specific. He has three touchdowns. But Amika Abuka, he's another one that I think mm -hmm. that he's going to be a first-rounder. I think they're both going to be first-rounders. It's just a matter of who's going to be top two, probably number one overall, which may be Harrison, and then who's going to just get into the first round, which is still just as big an honor. And Ohio State has been pumping him out as of late as far as these wide receivers go. But this Ohio State team, I think they'll have their hands full. Are you surprised Vegas has them as a three-point favorite on the road at Notre Dame, 7.30 in prime time? No, because, you know, Vegas is all about trying to keep the – Balance the, the money. Yeah, keep the money even on both sides. And then if you look at Notre Dame's history, they haven't really performed well in big games against top teams. So you have that also. So, no, it's not a surprise at all. But that would be, I mean, on the surface anyway, it, it appears to, that it would be a big-time victory for Ohio State to go into South Bend and come out with a W. So, absolutely. But I'm going to go the other way against Vegas. I understand about trying to balance the money out and understand that the home field advantage is supposed to be three points. So, going with that three point being an underdog, I guess, on a neutral field, they figured it would be an even game on a neutral field, or oh, actually six points in right. favor uh Ohio State if that were to happen. But Ohio State has their own explosive plays, at least offensively. You know, McCord, as he tries to get it together and tries to get that continuity and connection with Marvin Harrison Jr., as we've talked spoken about before, those two played together in high school. This is a different story, but we've seen this tandem happen again. Urban's girl back and Desmond Howard, same thing with Michigan, both playing for St. Joe's. But looking at Travion Henderson, Averaging 6.4 yards a carry. I mean, they got something to hang, you know, to hang their hat on until mm -hmm. that passing game comes along. I mean, uh, Chip Trainerman, he's also seven yards a carry. So there's a there's a lot of things going on with that offense that they can probably kind of hold the fort until the passing game can come around, slow the game down. That's probably what Ohio State wants. When you have well, something something else to consider, it. it most times when teams don't have a, a big game early in the season, they don't really show much. You know, they keep their the offenses basic. They don't they don't open the the, the playbook, so to speak, you know. They don't mm -hmm. want to show they don't want to show that opponent on the horizon too much. You know, they want to keep stuff hidden until game day. So you know they may have looked like they're struggling but maybe they're just holding holding certain plays back, and they're not showing certain looks, and they're going to give Notre Dame everything Saturday. From what I saw watching Ohio State and seeing how they're trying to get the continuity together, that's what I'm looking at because I look at even the base plays that they have. I know they may go out there with that vanilla offense because they're overmatching Youngstown State or even Indiana, a conference foe, but then you see those basic plays weren't still executed. They were still drop passes. They were still overthrowing passes. There was time when there was time for McCord to throw the ball, and he threw it, and it was completely errant. So that's what I'm looking at. Now, hopefully they got that back up to speed. So whether that's a basic play or going deep in their playbook, it's still pretty erratic, or it was erratic. It's starting to come together now. 
And that's what these early so-called easy games are for, for the bigger teams at least, to get your continuity, get your rhythm. And then when you get into conference play, this is a different year because Indiana was already a conference game. But I'm thinking Ohio State with so much on the line, all eyes on them. They will open the playbook. Does McCord rise to the occasion? We already know what Marvin Harrison can do. But I'm saying with these running backs they have, with these yards per carry averages of seven yards and six-plus yards, that's phenomenal to be able to hold down the fort and kind of make things easier for the new quarterback. Right, and that would bode well for Ohio State to play uh, the keep-away game, mm-hmm. you know, win, win the time of possession game and keep Notre Dame's uh, high-powered offense off the field. If they can do that, then that's their that's their way to victory. Yeah, uh, but limiting Notre Dame's opportunities, uh, not turning the ball over, and if they're able to run the ball consistently, they're going to wear down that defense, and it will just get easier later on in the game. But as well as Notre Dame has been running the ball themselves, they can also slow down the clock, and that home field advantage does matter a little bit. Offensive line-wise, we already know about Ohio State every year. Whether you know the names before the season, you'll eventually find the names out towards you know during the season or towards the end of the season with their offensive line. The defense, as I said right now, playing very well. But Joe Alt is one of those offensive linemen at Notre Dame who is their number one guy. And I believe he may also be a first-round draft pick, like his father, John, who played for Iowa back in 1984, first-round draft pick for the Chiefs. So Notre Dame's been known for their offensive line, too. I've always thought the deciding factor with them in recent memory has been that quarterback position. We've seen the Brady Quinns. We've seen the uh, the Clausens and not looking that great as they were supposed to have looked and taking Notre Dame to that next level. Now Sam Hartman, in my opinion, I've said it already, he's probably the best of them all in a long time for Notre Dame. But, yeah, that's going to be an exciting game to watch when these two finally get it together. That's the highlight game of the day, so, but not the only game of interest. Because so who, Wait, wait, wait. Who's your pick? I'm taking Notre Dame. Oh, okay. I'm taking Notre Dame also. Oh, because I'm wondering – that's why I was wondering why they're a three-point underdog. Um, I don't know. I think I've seen enough of Notre Dame. I've seen enough of Sam Hartman, not just at Notre Dame, but when he was at Wake Forest and going against that Clemson defense or that trying to be rejuvenated Florida State defense, 3-0 and against Florida State going into you know this season, well, before he left to go to Notre Dame. So he, he has experience against decent defenses, and in Clemson's case, very good defenses, had a success. And um, he, he brings it to Notre Dame, and so far so good. No interceptions, but we see the competition. Uh, 13 touchdowns leading the nation. An, an extra game, obviously. They played Navy over in um, Ireland before the season started. But a tough game expected. Um, reasonably low score, I believe. I would say take the under, but I don't even know what the over-under is. But this is going <laughs> to be a nice, solid game. I think that we're going to get the chance to see stars are going to come from this game. And I think whoever wins this game is really going to pronounce themselves, in my opinion, as someone who contends with uh, Georgia and now uh, Michigan, because I think obviously those are one and two, in my opinion, I think that Michigan could be number one. But either way, one and two with those guys, Texas is in the mix, but Texas got there because of what happened against Alabama. Now we're seeing that Alabama may not be exactly what we thought they were, but we'll find out. And as I already mentioned, we're going to see other games, and that other game is going to be Colorado. I don't think this is a game that shows whether they're fool's gold or not. I think this is just a game that's going to show that, you know what, they weren't going to go undefeated. Last week I said they started a two-game losing streak with Oregon on the road. Next week at home against USC. I think it begins. Could be, but um, until they actually lose, you know, you, you got to ride that train, man. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about their 21-point dogs Saturday. Where's the respect for Coach Prime and the Buffaloes? Um, it seems like every week something happens to give Colorado some bulletin board material or just something to hang their hat on to give more motivation. And being 21-point dogs after the wave they've played, you see the offense can can go up and down the field pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much they're, Vegas is saying they're going to lose 61-30. to 30. Well, you know what? I mean, I, I, 51, to, 51 to 30. 
that's one thing I do like about Vegas. They don't care about people's feelings. They just want the money to flow, but they throw a number out there for that money to flow. And they were wrong. And you know, and Vegas doesn't get it right all the time. We obviously know that. Right. And they didn't get it right the first time with TCU, but in the first game of the season, it's very difficult to figure things out. You're just trying your best, even as a bookmaker, trying your best to kind of throw a number out there that the crowd is going to jump on, you know, the public is going to jump on. And then we still think about these things as they go along with TCU, how fewer than 19% of their production or offense returned from last year's team, including their quarterback, Max Duggan, who went to the NFL, obviously been cut since then. But we don't configure that when they go into these first games. We didn't know what to think about Deion Sanders, sight unseen, all of these transfers, what was going to happen there. Now we're three games deep. We have an idea that run defense is still one of the worst in all of college football. Last week, even in a game they should not have struggled against, regardless of being an in-state rivalry or not, against Colorado State, a team that cannot run the football, still ran for 102 yards on them. Before that, Nebraska, 222 yards on them. Before that, TCU, 262 on them. And we saw the Nebraska game. You could call it a blowout depending on what side of the aisle you're on but they still got their 222 yards on the ground against this team. And when you look at a team like Oregon, they can run the freaking ball. And as a true Pac-12 team, that West Coast team can also pass the ball. And the guy doing it is Bo Nix, who came from Auburn. Now he's been with Oregon the past two seasons. He can throw and he can run. And their stable of running backs is outstanding. I mean, last year they won 49-10, so we could say something like that, but once again, this isn't even the same Colorado team, so that's a, a frivolous, worthless stat. The only thing they share is the, the uniform. Uh, the what? The what? The uniform. That's the only thing this team, yeah. this year's team shares with last year's team. And it probably changed that for a lot, though, because I didn't yeah. watch any Colorado games. Who did? <laughs> we saw how empty it was. Okay, man. the name on the uniform, the logo on the uniform. Yeah, the logo, that's about it. But when you talk about a team like Oregon who could put up the numbers, they've always been known for putting up the numbers. Even the losing efforts, they still try to put up the numbers. And Bucky Irvin, one of their running backs, averaging eight yards a carry, three touchdowns on a season. Jordan James, 7.4 yards a carry. He had five touchdowns on the season. And Noah Winningham, 8.4 yards a carry. We're talking about this is their specialty, being able to run. And then they pop you one of those long passes. And if you have a team that's given up all of those yards on the ground against this kind of inferior uh, teams that we've watched them play so far, it's going to be murder. I can see that 21 points getting covered, man. I can actually see that. I can't. I, I, I don't, don't want to see it because I've been supporting Coach Prime. He's grown. I, 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 I just don't see it. Um, Oregon may win handily, maybe by 17, maybe. But I, I just don't see three touchdowns. Well, you know, Eugene is a hard place to play. And it's going to be a night game, I believe. And we already know how that goes. Other than the bad-looking uniforms that Oregon wears with that green and whatever else they decide to throw together to make it match, I think that this is the game in which yeah, they Yeah, I don't, I don't think that that comes into play with Dion, man. He he seems to to get his team to ignore all that bogus crap. It's oh, hard man. to play there. Man, they're, we're the Colorado Buffaloes. We're – we're coming in there. I don't care how many people in the crowd. I don't care what they chant, what they call us. You know what I'm saying? And he gets it in their head. It don't matter. So but, but it, it may be a tough, play, a tough place to play for most teams. I don't think it matters for Colorado because of Coach Prime, his swagger, his confidence, and the way he instills his feelings into his team. See, I have nothing else to say about – Colorado, they win this game. I'm done for the season. Forget that game. <laughs> we're going to lose the following week against USC. I'll be back on the Colorado bandwagon. If they win this game against Oregon and Eugene, I'll be on the bandwagon next week saying, you know what, Colorado's going to blow out USC as well when they come over to Oregon. <laughs> I'm serious because this would be nothing short of a I'm not game. even. I'm not saying I'm not even saying they're going to win. I, I honestly don't know. Uh, just because I don't want to doubt. You know, I don't want to keep doubting them, but Oh, I, I haven't. I, 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 I kind of do expect Oregon to win, but I won't be surprised if if Colorado wins. No, this is one of those times where you know you can say I wouldn't be surprised, but nah, to me, I would be shocked, shocked if they won. And I think they're going to get blown out. <coughs> I don't want them to, as I've already said. 
I think they're going to get blown out. Oregon is that good, and I think Colorado's not that bad. It's just that it's not fool's gold either. But I, I think that Eugene, uh, Eugene, Oregon, and the University of Oregon, they're really going to make a point here. I remember they did have that close game against Texas Tech already, but it was at in Lubbock. And you know how those home games, especially in college with all the emotions, you know, we watched just an emotional game this past Saturday with Colorado State and Colorado. And we saw how passionate they were when they played Nebraska, you know, in their first home game with Dion there. But going up to Oregon and Oregon really wanting to make a – Oregon knows. You know, it's like Oregon is like a lot of the other people who are now hating on Deion Sanders. They want to prove that this guy's a fraud. Not because he's a fraud, but because they want to just be the ones to dominate them, to stop the winning streak, and, you know, so they can have some. These are kids, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Take the they 21. want that, they Take want the that feminine cap. Take the 21, man. Take the 21. Whew. Well, I'm going to take the 21. I'm, it's, come on. Well, yeah, it's not going to be one of my best bets, but that's something I can see happen. And I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't go down like that. I can obviously see the, the loss for Colorado, but I think that, that Oregon's really going to put it on them. I think they're going to score in consecutive uh, drives. I think that's going to happen. And by the way, let's not forget how much Travis Hunter meant to that team. You need multiple guys to take over for him. Travis Hunter mm-hmm. won't be there for the lob passes at wide receiver. He won't be there on special teams because he's a dynamic player there. And as a corner, he won't be there. You know, Xavier um, Xavier Weaver, he's the number four wide receiver production-wise in all of college football right now. Now he's going to get double teamed. And unless somebody else steps up, which against Oregon, where you can match them athlete for athlete, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they'll be able to do it. But – We'll just have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm sold on Shador Sanders, man. You know, as long as he doesn't get the big head, he's already getting scolded by Tom Tom Brady. Get mm-hmm. your ass in the film room. Uh, get your ass out of that Rolls Royce. Yeah. Get your ass in the film room. Uh, you know, he's got he's got one of the best of all time, arguably the best of all time, mentoring him. Mm-hmm. He's got his dad there, who's the coach. Um, I don't think he's going to lose focus. I mean, what kid isn't going to want to drive a Rolls Royce, you know? But that does, right, but yeah. that doesn't mean that he's not all about football either. He just drove a Rolls Royce. It's not like he got pulled over in the middle of the night like like Mike Tyson going 180 miles down the highway. <laughs> you know, he, he just has a Rolls Royce. He, he, he didn't get into trouble with it. He just has a Rolls Royce. That doesn't mean he's not doing what he's supposed to do in the film room, on the practice field. And in the classroom, even. I think that's much ado about nothing. This is just a product or a byproduct of social media. Everybody in your business, whether you want them to be or not. And Deion Sanders, his name is already going to bring that type of attention. And of course, with everybody out there not wanting them to win and looking for every instance for them to lose. And they'll just be sitting there with bated breath for a fourth week now, waiting for it to happen. I'm just thinking this time that he's going to have his problems on the road. It's it's just natural, in my opinion. I've watched him play since he's played at Jackson State, and I've seen him get flustered. And I saw him last last December. He got uh, got flustered in the Celebration Bowl, and so and and I've seen it. The bad stats. I saw him do play well against other teams, but when South Carolina State came into the Celebration Bowl, he looked didn't look good at all, progression wise or dealing with pressure, all that stuff. Yes, it wasn't him alone. He didn't have the receivers he has now. But I'm just saying that the grade of team he's going against, which is Oregon, is that much better than who they are individually. It's it's arguable to say that they man for man against Nebraska, they probably had more talent overall, man for man. You know, the the issue was the cohesion that they should have as a team and the chemistry as it's a team. As quarterback, that was the oh, and then that bad quarter. Well, yeah, that's a terrible quarterback as well. But man for man, if you dumped in pass, you know, the, the defense played a hell of a game. But man for man, as far as the athletes on offense, you know, we saw what we saw. But I'm just thinking with with Oregon, I think at every position with the – I'm not going to say debatable at quarterback only because Bo Nix has done it in the SEC. Now he's in the Pac-12, and he's not the quarterback, at least visibly, of what Shadu is, and he's not getting the attention. But I've seen enough of Bo Nix to know that he's serious and that he's going to be a draft pick as well. Not a a first-rounder like Shadu. All I'm I'm saying is that – Week one was supposed to be 
oh, we're going to shut down all this Dion talk. It's going to come to an end. TCU is going to beat them, and he's going to go away. That didn't happen. And it seems like that's what people are thinking again. This, this is the week the train comes to a screeching halt. And I'm just saying, until it comes to a screeching halt, right? <laughs> don't doubt him, man. Do not doubt him. That's that all first, I'm saying. That first game is always something you really can't say anything about unless it's one of those big teams playing against us, really small Division One AA teams, you know, just to get their feet under them and get something <clears> going. This type of game that they play, you know, looking for Deion to lose his first game, they were still looking at the TCU team that played in the national championship game. And if you're looking at that team, this was even worse than that team that lost 65 to 7 in the national championship game, setting a record for, for losing. And so they didn't even have that production, that less than that in that game. And so was it a surprise that they won? I mean, I was a bit surprised, but I wouldn't have been knowing that the production that had left, I was like, you know what, they should keep making a game. They ended up winning, so I can say, okay, that's cool. Now, the Nebraska game, we saw how Nebraska played the previous week offensively. We knew the defense was going to give them every chance. The offense is what blew it. Now, this game against Colorado State was the other way around. We thought there was going to be a blowout. Take the over. Yeah, you could have done that, but it was no blowout. Two overtimes to get rid of this team? I think that's where the problem lies. In Oregon, there's going to be a bigger problem. Yeah, the I don't want to jump off the bandwagon. I'm going to skip off for right now. If they win, back on next week. But right now, <laughs> <laughs> not a fan with a fan. But I'm just, you know, they, no one said they were going undefeated this year. So even if those are the only. I'm on record as saying they're not going undefeated. But I huh? don't. Uh, what? Oh, no, I was like, huh? You don't, you don't think that. No, uh, I'm on record as saying they are not going undefeated. I said oh, that yeah. oh, I yeah, think last week sometime. But I'm just saying. Um, as as long as that train's rolling, man, until it comes to a screeching halt, don't doubt him too much. Well, you know, I'm just going to doubt him. I mean, if you want to make them 10-point underdogs, okay, I can see that. But 21-3 touchdowns, man, that, that's like total disrespect. That's a slap I, in the face. I think that's given the respect Oregon deserves because they typically don't get that kind of respect when they're playing. Yeah, but I mean, they're Oregon, with the four, they're ranked 14th. It's not like they're ranked number two or number three. But we also know this time of year, the rankings don't mean a doggone thing because the rankings don't mean anything right about this time in October or later in October when we've got a chance to have a better sample size of how good teams really are. You know, even Georgia right now, are they really a number one team? I still would take Michigan over them right now, and I like Georgia. But that's not what it is. These rankings put them there because, well, they're, they're acting like boxing. In order to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. Well, <laughs> these aren't even the champs. They're the defending champs. But, yeah, so – but if Colorado doesn't do anything at all, what they can do is bring Warren Sapp on to help teach that defensive line. They're having problems on the defense anyway. They can't stop the run. Warren Sapp wants to be on Coach Prime's payroll. He wants to be a coach there. What's up with all these Miami boys? That's the thing that's killing. It's a Florida boy thing. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Miami, the U, all of that. And they, they talk about it at nauseum. I mean, whether it's Warren Sapp or other people from the U or Michael Irvin, the old school U guy, it's all about being a Florida boy. From Fort Lauderdale with Michael Irvin or even just Deion Sanders from Fort Myers. Well, why not Derek Brooks or somebody? But Derrick Brooks hasn't come in yet. Maybe he wanted I'm to just get saying, down. Somebody from his alma mater. You, you know, that's probably true, too. Well, his alma mater, he's not even claiming that Florida State anymore these days. Well, that's true, but I'm saying <laughs> all these guys from the U, like, hey, I'm down with Coach Dion. They're going to go anywhere to swag. Can I be down? Can I be down? Um, where, where's the Seminoles? Yeah, but they're going to go any. That's true. But they're going to go anywhere they're swagging. You already know what Warren Sapp brings to the table running his mouth, but he does know football as well. You know, you don't do as well as he had done being an undersized guy in terms of being short and not being having some intelligence to the game. And then you hear him on the outside when he's speaking sense. He has intelligence there too. Then he goes to nonsense and things kind of go down the tube. But for him to become a coach there, he hasn't got his degree yet. He has to take care of his degree. So he has to go back to school, get his degree in order to get the job. I mean, that's that's cool that he's willing to go ahead and do that, even though he had the opportunity to do that even while he was at uh, UM. 
or during the season, take correspondence courses or whatever, so that this opportunity can come to you and you can jump on it right away. But nevertheless, he's still going to get his education and do what's necessary to become a coach. And Prime already said, you know, he's going to be a coach in our staff one day. Well, I guess that one day is coming soon. I don't know how far off Sap may be from that degree, but I guess as soon as he gets that degree, it looks like things are seriously popping in Colorado the way Dion can call a shot. He'll be there. So good luck to Warren Sapp. Get that degree, dude. Yeah, yeah, get that degree and become a, a – I would like to see him down in Miami, of course. But, you know, he's <laughs> an all-fame defensive lineman. He says, I can teach those boys how to be dogs out there, and I believe every word Warren Sapp says. This guy, he should have been a preacher the way he talks. You know, you can see him. But Jason Taylor, another Hall of Famer, but from Akron, he's down in Miami right now teaching the defensive line. So we have a Hall of Famer down there already. We don't need two. But anyway <laughs> – but yeah, but Warren Sapp, yeah, that'll, that'll be some good stuff if he could get together with Prime. Imagine, imagine these two in an important game at the press conference. Forget about it. I mean, you wouldn't even need the opposing teams coach. Just have Prime and Sapp just run their mouth. So continuing on with the college football going on this week, well, we have Florida State taking on Clemson after last week's near miss with Florida State going to Boston College at Chestnut Hill. It took Boston College 18 penalties, or Florida State 18 penalties by Boston College, including a face mask penalty that gave them an opportunity with about a minute and a half left, and they milked the clock to not lose that game, you know, because Florida, Florida State was about to lose. Well, they're playing Clemson, who has already lost their first game to Duke and still hasn't gotten respect yet. So what do you think? Going to Clemson, FSU, a nice ACC not battle. Yeah, I need this dub, man. I need this dub. We need the dub. <laughs> we need the dub. We're going to the game on November 11th between Miami and Florida State. And the more undefeated, the better, because Miami's taking on Temple this week. I'm not going to call that a guarantee because Miami can stump its toe. I hope those old habits went away. But, yeah, this Florida State team. Yeah, hopefully Boston College was just a speed bump. You know, no team is going to play their best every week. Maybe they were looking ahead to Clemson. Uh, I've heard that hope, said. Hopefully, anyway, fingers crossed, right? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I heard that during the broadcast. They, maybe <laughs> the way they were playing, they were up, I was at 31 to like 14 at one point, I believe. And so they showed that they are the superior team. Yeah, they took, and, the, and they took the foot off the gas. They uh, took the foot off the gas, and Boston College has some things going on to where things just started clicking. Castellanos, right. the quarterback, bro, that dude could play some football. <laughs> Pass so, it, don't, bro. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe LSU wasn't what most people thought they were, but Florida State handled them really well. Mm -hmm. And if if Clemson was looking ahead, if they did take their foot off the gas, they should be able to go in there to Death Valley and come out with a W. Wow, Dabo Swinney, man. I still give him credit for being one of the better coaches in college football, obviously a top five coach, not just for his accomplishments, but his game day. Look, the – his quarterback last year um, that is at Oregon State now, uh, I forgot his name. God, man, I can't believe this. But anyway, he was a big reason for the losses, man. And I think that that Swinney really gave him more opportunity than he deserved. But now things are different, and it looks like Clemson kind of got things back. But we don't know that until they play Florida State. And this is a high-caliber game that those two are going to play. And um, I think I want to take Florida State, but Clemson's at home. And I've seen it before, but I'm taking Florida State anyway because we need it. So that's why we're going to take Florida State. So yeah, Florida <laughs> State taking on Clemson tomorrow. Big ACC clash in Death Valley. And um, yeah, yeah, Florida I mean, State and Clemson have had some classic battles over, classic over battles. the years, Absolutely. man. Um, I remember watching that game with the punt fake that Leroy Butler ran almost to the house. And I was going for Clemson that game. I was like, yeah, hopefully they take this punt and they can go down and drive and score. There was no punt, man. Bobby Bowden reached into his bag of was tricks. It, and he was it a fumble rooski? The fumble rooski, I think it was? It wasn't quite a fumble rooski, but it was a, an end-of-round type thing. Um, but it was the right move at the right time. Clemson never expected it. And like I said, he, he pulled out that victory when – it looked like they were giving the ball up and Clemson had momentum and they they had every opportunity to go down, take the uh, score, take the lead, and get the W, but it was all for naught. 
And remember the Bobby Bowden versus Tommy Bowden days, Florida State, Clemson. You know, that was a thing that was going on too, the Bowden battle, the battle of the Bowdens, yeah. you know, father and son going at it. You know, <laughs> I typically don't like the name drop, but I do remember because it's an intimate memory. I'm not a Florida State fan fan, but I really don't mind them. I'm one of those Canes fans that really don't mind Florida State until they play them. That's about it. But I was actually having lunch one time at ACC Media Day in Greensboro, Georgia. I forgot which year it was, 2003 or 2004, one of those years. And I was having at the table with Bobby Bowden, Chuck Amato, Brad Scott, Tommy Bowden. Come on, man. Eat a lunch with these guys. You know, you can just sit there and stare. You don't even have to eat. You just eat with your eyes, man. Like, legendary. <laughs> now to look back on it, man, I was like, man, the things that we had a chance to do in life, man, and this is one of them. But actually, the highlight of that entire ACC Media Day was a guy named Alexander Wade, who was a fullback for Duke. He and I were talking about the stock market, but not even football. Now he's a doctor today. He's a doctor today. But anyways, moving on, a little personal story getting in the way. Well, Alabama, as we already know from last week, Struggled with South Florida, struggled big time. The quarterback situation seems to be pretty bad, but even worse, the big offensive line that gets all of that credit for being big but not good, giving up sacks, not being able to run block the way they should with that that size. Well, they had a team meeting. What's a, what does that do going into a game against Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin coming into the house? You know, there have been a lot of team meetings over the year. You could say – they're overrated. They're underrated. It just depends on on the outcome, right? Some have worked wonders, and others haven't done jack shit. Mm-hmm. So I think it just depends how these players respond to it. Um, I can't. I you can't say of one hundred percent. Oh, players only team meeting that always works because it hasn't. Mm-hmm. So it, it just just remain. It remains to be seen. You know, is the team meeting going to fix their quarterback issues? Is it going to fix their blocking issues? I don't know. The meeting's theme was togetherness. Well, if you ever needed togetherness, that offensive line needs some togetherness. That's the unit that has to work in unison to make this thing work. Now, it's Jalen Moreau who's been given the head, the, the quarterbacking job for this game, and I think maybe the rest of the season, is he going to be able to function even when he has blocking? We've seen enough of him last year when he had blocking. He wasn't anything special. He was still that running guy who happened to pass the ball on occasion. And as I always say, you can't halfback option your way to a championship, let alone a regular win. And that's what he's been doing. Now, if he has everything clicking tomorrow, we do know what Lane Kiffin brings to the table. Offense and more offense. The defense hasn't been that spectacular either. Yeah, who do they play Saturday? Oh, Miss. Uh, they should handle Ole Miss, but you never know. I mean, they, they struggle should handle you, South Florida. <laughs> yeah, they struggled against South Florida, but uh, pretty much the second half they dominated. So things like they, it seems like they righted the ship. But if it wasn't for the lightning strike, who knows if they would have been able to? <laughs> Nick Saban praying, coming from above, the Greek guys throwing down some lightning on that one. Man, yeah, but- Saban pulled the switch. You know that. Well, you know what? I heard stories. The lightning switch in the corner of the stadium. He's like, yeah, pull that switch. You know, I heard a story years ago in baseball <laughs> with Cal Ripken Jr. with some issue with Kevin Costner and his wife. And they claimed that time that the lights allegedly had gone out in Baltimore and Cal Ripken wasn't going to play and they canceled the game for that day. There was a story out about that that was on the radio years ago that Kevin Costner and Cal Ripken's wife had some thing going on and Cal didn't play. So in order not to ruin his playing streak record, the lights went out in Camden Yards and they skipped the game for that day. You know what I mean? But he came back for the next game. Just a little story throughout there. But it's a story that was said. It was mentioned. And Kevin Costa came on the sports show. I'll put up 50000 or whatever it was and you bring your 50000 and we'll prove this. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, let's keep up with this football mm-hmm. because it's the last college football thing we'll talk about. And I'm paying a little homage to Buddy Tevens, the former head coach of Yale, who also coached Tulane, when Sean King was there, they went undefeated. You know, Sean King ended up going to the Tampa Bay Bucks, going to the championship game, NFC championship game, losing. Buddy Tevens ultimately went to uh, Stanford. He played at at Yale years ago, but he he ended up at Stanford and um, had a solid year, you know, solid tenure there. But he went back to his home team at Yale, was there for quite some time. 
He got into an accident here in Florida, just south of Jacksonville, St. Augustine, got hit by a car back in March, had his leg amputated. He passed away. So he passed away. He was one that was known for bringing those robots and blocking dummies in from years ago. He's the one who started it up. Smart guy, obviously a Yale grad, played for Yale, ended up coaching at his alma mater. But Buddy Tevis is somebody I've always thought about, you know, especially the days I've been when I was a recruiting advisor for some players. In a roundabout way, I dealt with Buddy Tevis through his office of coordinator, Bill Sanford. Bill, if you're out there, you know who I am. You probably don't like me, but you know who I am. Anyway, <laughs> but I thought we'd just shout out Buddy Tevis because a great coach and by all accords, a great guy. And so Buddy Tevis will be missed. And that brings us to what's going on tonight. The third week of the NFL season beginning tonight, the Giants taking on the 49ers. I don't think injuries or no injuries, the Giants will win it. Now they have injuries. Saquon Barkley's not playing. Well, Daniel Jones is still there, so they're still not winning. <laughs> yeah, they they pulled out a miracle last week, but I mean, talk about a tough schedule. Game uh, week one, you got to go against Dallas's defense. Mm-hmm. Week three, now you're going against San Francisco's defense, and Bosa's probably got his legs under him even more so yep. than he did last week and the week Ooh. before, considering his holdout. And I mean, Daniel Jones, he's athletic, but is he going to be running for his life? Yeah, and, and that offensive line have not blocked well. And as we said, he came from, as you just said, he came, they came from behind against the Arizona Cardinals. Is that a big deal? Because they were on the clock before the season started. That's what we started the season with. The Arizona Cardinals are not so fast, the- as Lee Corso would say. Not so fast. Not so fast Chicago friend. Bears got might have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, well, we got some things going on with that. We might as well talk about it right now. You're up in Chicago land. What's going on? I know you sent me a message today. You're thinking that your boy, Justin Fields, is trying to get out of there. He's making you know, some some, Sometimes people say things and they're being kind of cryptic. Are you thinking, why would they say that? I think Justin wants out of Chicago, man. And, and I don't blame him. I, I'd want out of Chicago, too. I mean, that's my team. And I don't even want to watch them at this point right now, man. They're terrible. They ran a screenplay, through the same screenplay, three times in a row. Who does that? Kids playing Madden don't even run the same three plays in a row. I mean, it, what what are they doing in there? Your defensive coordinator resigns a Run. week and a half or a two two and a half weeks into the season. I mean, it, it's a mess, man. Ryan Poles, he, he seems intelligent. He seems like he has a plan. Seems like he knows what he's doing. But then why do we hire these coaches? People are high on, on uh, Luke Getzey. Oh, because he worked with Aaron Rodgers. I can work with Aaron Rodgers and look good. You, you know what I'm saying? If I never called the plays, if I wasn't the OC, I'm not qualified to be the OC just because I was the, the passing game coordinator. What, what, what's he telling Aaron Rodgers? Nice throw, Aaron. Good job. The way you looked off the safety there, nice job. Keep it up, buddy. I mean, come on. I could do that. You can do that. Anybody watching and listening can do that. That doesn't make him qualify to be the offensive coordinator. Man. So I, I just question Ryan Poles and his coaching hires. Ibraflus, okay, let's give him a chance. But the coordinators, you got a, a first-time coach, and you don't get experienced coordinators. Nobody, the offensive coordinator never called plays before, was never an OC, and you have Justin Fields who you're trying to develop. The kid's not getting no development, man. He's not getting no coaching. And then now he's saying that they they give him the play and then they're giving him more information. Watch for the safety. Watch for this. So he, he's not just running the play and, and, and playing naturally. He's he's thinking, oh, I got to watch for the safety. I got to watch for this. Oh, that dude's open. Oh, too late. You know, and so I don't blame him. And I think he does want to. Want to leave Chicago? I, I don't blame him. I have no no shade to throw his way. Good luck See, to you, Justin. You were up there, so I didn't know that part of it. I didn't know that they gave him a play and then telling him to watch the safety because I never heard another quarterback say that same thing. It kind of could be a bit degrading if he took it that way because they give you a play that you've practiced and practiced and you kind of know you've been in the film room and all of that and quarterback rooms and with the quarterbacks and your coordinator and your quarterback's coach. And you know, supposedly know these things, so now they got to remind it. Remind you on game day, watch out for that guy. What other quarterback has to go through that? 
Watch out for that safety. Watch out for this blitzing guy. It makes it seem like they don't think you're smart enough to play the position. They're giving you information, and then they're kind of compounding it with more information that you probably should have known with the repetitions in practice. Yeah, so he, I think that's what he was alluding to, saying that it could be coaching. He maybe should have said, I think I'm being overcoached right now, mm-hmm. and then gave, give a specific example, but he didn't want to go that much into it. Um, But I was thinking when I heard those comments, he's saying he's too robotic. You know, he's criticizing himself. So I'm like, good. Well, maybe he just goes out there and says, fuck it. And let's, let's see it. what happens. Bro, the dice, let, let's go out there, man. Let's just go. Now, and do you I, think Do you think this is an instance of the if he leaves, do you think it's because the Bears ruined another quarterback? Or do you think he would do well somewhere else? I, I think he's still young enough and talented enough to to do well in, in another system. And, well, and because- like, uh, if the Bears go 2-15 two, two and 15 this year and they're like, well, Justin's obviously not, not the answer. We have a top five pick. Who are we picking? Justin's gone, right? He may get signed as a as a a backup, but depending on the situation, if he's backing up somebody, let's say like um, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, yeah, that'd be perfect. But or even Josh Allen. Josh Allen goes down, but he's learning under that system. You know, picking things up from a better coaching staff, from a better quarterback mentoring him, and then he gets an opportunity, I'm sure he'll do much better. I'm not saying he's going to be top five quarterback, but he'll be better than what he is now. Yeah, because the, the Bears are, I don't know, they aren't helping him along more. I, I, I can't the, really the tell. Thing, the thing with Trubisky, Trubisky, he didn't have problems throwing the ball. It's just his balls were errant a lot of times. Guy <laughs> opened five overthrown by five yards, uh, throwing the flat behind the guy where he's got to reach back here and catch it. But by the time he turns around, he's getting tackled already. You know, th- things of that nature. But the crazy thing about Mitch, he played like dog shit for three and a half quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, he would drop a dime down the sideline, drop a dime, hit, hit the guy in the seam. Like, well, why can't we do that all game? You know, Bears fans would be like, see, Mitch is a good quarterback. Mitch is a good quarterback. I know. Not if we're constantly coming from 10 points down in the fourth quarter. He's not a good quarterback. You can't play well for half a quarter and play like dog shit for three and a half quarters and and be called a good quarterback. Well, yeah, and I remember him coming out of North Carolina. I thought he was a solid quarterback, but the Jets were angling in on him, and I was glad they didn't get him. Not that I had anything really against him. I just know the Jets' tendencies. And when you're talking about errant passes, that's a lot of what Mark Sanchez did, a lot of the same thing. He just happened to have a hell of a defense backing him up, and he had some pretty damn good weapons to throw to with Antonio Holmes and, and you know, and Curtis Martin in the backfield, even Leon Washington at one point. But anyways, um. Anyway, actually, Leon, Leon, I think he might have left before, but uh, before that. But anyways, but he had some good weapons on the team. But nevertheless, I think that Justin Fields has some ability, and it all depends on the team he goes to and what they want to do with him. I think he may be able to do well down in in somewhere like New Orleans. James Winston's already there, but I think he brings more of an element of that being able to run and still learn the game down in New Orleans. Just need a quarterback, <laughs> <laughs> bro. Yo, bro, the Jets need a quarterback because we're about to listen to how it goes when our boy Zach Wilson drops back. Our boy. Show's mascot. Yeah, that's a Zach Wilson sighting right there. He drops back. Get that <laughs> truck going. Yeah, the guard's truck is back and going back and dropping back and throwing three picks again. Uh, I can't even say I'm disappointed. That, that's not our game. boy, though. That's not my boy. Well, yeah, I guess he's the show's boy because he's a mascot. <laughs> After show's boy. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. Zach freaking Wilson. Uh, anyways, it, 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 my mom used to say from sugar to blank, and that's exactly what this has gone from. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now we're going on to some of these NFL games. We talked about the injuries. Now we talked about the Bears. And how about uh, what's going on with um Bryce Young? He may be out, but he will be out this week against the Seahawks. He has a bad ankle. So, I mean, well, he did get injured, but I don't think it's that big an issue for him. He's going to continue to improve. You know, uh, 
even after the ankle injury, he you know, this is a mulligan year for Carolina, period. Yeah. You know, first pick overall, you knew what you were getting, an undersized guy, you know, all strength, all that thing he was worried about. I think he played solidly. I think he was okay up until the injury. And I think he will continue to improve. He seems to be a cerebral quarterback. He's always a pass-first quarterback, keeps his eyes down the field, still can buy himself time with his legs. Right now he won't because he has a bad will with the bad ankle. But yeah, being out for this game here, yeah, let's get this guy healthy. This is your biggest investment. You know, let him so sit after, for a few weeks. Right. So after being thrown into the fire, you know, a week or two with the visor and the clipboard, he may see things, you know, that he wasn't able to see in, in the flow of the game. Mm-hmm. And when he, he he can think, all right, when, I, when I'm healthy, now I can do this or now I can do that. So, you know, a couple couple weeks with the visor and clipboard, I don't think is going to uh, – It's not going to hurt him. It, it could be to his benefit. Yeah, I think so too. And, I'm, you know, and he's he's a likable guy. I, I never dis, disliked Bryce Young. And in college, I thought he was going to be an overrated quarterback because I was like, you know what, California quarterbacks coming out of high school, I always give them more of the benefit of the doubt than I would give quarterbacks that aren't from California because their offenses are so sophisticated in high school football in California. These guys are college ready. But I thought going to Nick Saban's team, he wasn't Tua. I didn't think he was going to be like a Tua kind of player. So even Jalen Hurts, this guy made a lie out of me. He didn't win a championship, but he went higher in the draft than any one of those guys. But anyways, uh, you know, things are looking up for him. Even though he's injured right now, I think he has nothing but green pasture ahead of him whether it's artificial turf or next turf or we'll call it field turf or whatever it is, he has that in front of him. And um, I think, I think yeah. Tua getting injured really affect, affected his draft status, though. Yeah, the injuries. Uh, and then he comes to the NFL and he's getting injured again. Yeah, but I think that was an issue, too, that bone bruise he had from the one of the injuries. He was always getting injured. I mean, I don't know what the deal was with him. You know, drink more milk. I I, I, honestly, I'm surprised he has recovered to play this well. Uh, didn't he have a dislocated hip? I th- I uh, mean, yeah, in college. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I didn't think that was something he'd be able to recover from. Oh, and play. Seriously, bruise, yeah. Yeah, but, play you know, this well. I mean, he he's, one of the, he's performing as one of the top quarterbacks in the league right now. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad he is, man, because he's, he's another one of those likable guys. You don't have to like his team either at Alabama or even the Miami Dolphins to look at him and hope that he does well. You know, you just don't do well against my team twice a year, that kind of thing. But the way things are looking, oh, well, whatever. That's how it goes. <laughs> well, how about the Philadelphia Eagles? A.J. Brown getting at it with Jalen Hurts. They had a little confrontation on the sidelines. A.J. Brown saying there's no beef there. We're just kind of communicating. We just, you know, no big deal. We've seen those kind of things before. We've seen it one time with Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens. They went back and forth, but then we find out after all the, after the fact that they didn't like each other anyway from jump. Well, I mean, any situation involving T.O., you know, that that's different than most others. Yeah. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, players get into it all, all the time. They're, it's in the heat of battle. You know, somebody says something. Maybe not intended the way it's taken by the other, and the other one replies in kind, and and it blows up. But then afterwards, after the game, neither one is hyped up anymore. They talk and they iron it out, you know. And I'm sure they are cool. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts, he didn't he didn't scream back, but he let you, he stood his ground. He didn't make it a shouting match where you saw two guys just going back and forth. He just said his piece and kind of kept him calm and. Brown was getting at it, you know what I mean? But so but he didn't go back and forth because some dudes know that the camera's on him and you know the camera's on you. Coach has to come pretty much and let y'all know that, yo, you need to stop this. And that's how, you know, it was just, you know, settled right there. But the, the bottom line is Jalen Hurts just comes across as another one of those cool, collected guys. He didn't lose his head. He could have gone back and forth. But it looks like it's settled now. And they're still undefeated. And just move on. I, I hate when it starts looking like a team is winning games but then you have a player who's still upset. Bro, the object I understand to is almost a politically correct thing to say, we just want to win games, but you know your stats matter to you because now with those paychecks being what they are, that's those stats are going to be the reason why you get a bigger paycheck. But they're winning right now, and you're still having this kind of argument because I was open. He wasn't throwing it to me. Man, we have so many more games to go. Stop, yeah. man. Yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal. If it happens every week, then then you know there's a problem because they're they're not getting along. Um, but 
it didn't get physical. There's no shoving, no nah. pushing, no Draymond Green knocking out Jordan Poole. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, just talked about that because, yeah, uh, I think that um, A.J. Brown came out and specifically said there was no beef. And, you know, he finally said something about it. Yeah, because people are talking about it, and, and I'm sure they have questions. So Yeah, they have questions. They want to know what's going on. Well, we kind of knew what was going on from the beginning. He wasn't getting the ball. And don't be one of these players that always cry for the ball. You're going to get your balls. I mean, you didn't become the player you became without getting balls, and Jalen Hurts made you a part of the offense. You know, so come on, man. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's us laymen can't talk about these top tier athletes with so much on the line. They, you know, it's like we have to keep our opinions to ourselves. And finally, well, the Bengals, Browns, Giants, and Jets. What the hell? Going into the season, we at least had some type of aspirations or expectations for some of these teams, if not all four of them. Man, the Browns, even though they've gotten themselves a win, they also got themselves a loss and they lost their top running back. I think Jerome Ford is going to be a good replacement, and they just signed Kareem Hunt, as we saw yesterday. But the Bengals, 0-2. Mm -hmm. Things aren't looking good there. And Joe has his – he's now acknowledging his injury, and that may mean more time off or more bad games if he decides to stay in. Right. It's unfortunate. He sustained that calf injury, and obviously he's not 100%. And they had uh, tough games to start, you know, the Ravens rivalry. Yeah, um, Browns rivalry, and he's not—he's not at his best. So they really couldn't complete compete, and now they're zero two. Seems like he's going to miss time. Um, it's going to be tough going for for the Browns. I mean, they—they they could be zero four, zero and five, and it's going to be a rough go of it. Yeah, the um, Bengals are going to. You know, you your yeah. Jets need a quarterback. Uh, the Browns, it's going to depend on Deshaun Watson. Watson, does he uh, lift good. his game? You know, does he raise his the level of his play? Um, $230 million. I, 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 thought, I thought he'd have a better year this year. It's still early. He could he mm -hmm. could improve, but first two weeks, he seems like same same Deshaun from last year. Yeah, $230 million to get what other players just – who are doing better than they are. Yeah, they're, they're making memes that they paid him that much for Baker Mayfield to go to Tampa and play better. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's exactly what I was thinking about. Baker Mayfield is playing well right now. I don't know how long that's going to last. We've seen Baker Mayfield be, you know, become a streaky player at one point before, but I think Baker Mayfield finally has gotten it for some reason. I've never been a huge Baker Mayfield fan, but I've always thought that he was a better talent than he was getting credit for. And I don't think I was really looking for him to live up to that number one pick overall ability. But I thought he would still be a solid quarterback in the NFL. Maybe it starts here. Maybe he's Rich Gannon. Maybe this is his Rich Gannon team, and he does something with it. But then, and now we have the Giants who start off getting blanked forty to nothing, and then that now they're way behind the Arizona Cardinals who were on the clock until the Giants realized they were on the clock. They come back, win the game, but lose Saquon Barkley, and things weren't looking good even against Arizona as they were coming back. Yeah, I was going to say, what were you talking about before the Giants? <laughs> uh, the Browns? Yeah, we're talking about Baker Mayfield. Oh, well, Baker the, Mayfield. Oh, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, because Tampa played the Bears. And I I don't – it's the Bears. You know, they didn't put a lot of pressure on him. But the times they did, he showed some escapability. And on one play, they were pulling, at, pulling him down, and he still kept his eyes up, and he – through a pass and completed the pass. He avoided sacks. And so from that standpoint, I was impressed. It wasn't like he's, oh, shit, they got me, and he just went down. He's, he's He was about making plays. And even though it was against the Bears, he did make plays, even on the few times when they did pressure him. See, so now we may see some commercials with him inside the big pirate ship. <laughs> he has the keys. I don't know what the password is going to be, but he has the keys this time. Like he had in Cleveland. So, hey, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Baker Mayfield play better. I mean, I liked him last year for that one game that he did again with the with the Rams, and they gave him the game ball. He just came in, like, right off the street pretty much, and he went in there and did his thing. And uh, well, They should have had him instead of Mariota or even Cousins for uh, the quarterback show on Netflix. Uh, you know what? He probably would have been a better personality. That's so what Mariota I mean. doesn't come across. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, so – 
Barry Oden never came across as that. He went AWOL last year too, so he was off from the show last few episodes also. Oh well. So as it as it goes, I mean Baker Mayfield, yeah, personality wise, yeah, that's why he gets the commercials. And if he continues to have success, you could expect to see him in more commercials. We might have Baker from State Farm. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> like a good neighbor. Well, that comes to an end right now. Episode number 60, 60. It's been quite some time we've been doing these episodes. And this is week number three, starting off in the NFL. Next week is a whole new week. And of course, Monday, as you know, all of these games we talked about, plus more, we'll, we'll have to recap. Cruise. And we're going to recap those and look forward to the Monday night game. And of course, next week also starts next Wednesday. The boxing coverage. We'll have our panel of people waiting around to talk about Canelo taking on Charlo for the 168-pound super middleweight championship of the world. And we'll have our panel on Wednesday to be able to do that. So until then, I'm trapped. He's biased. Peace. Have a great weekend.